Welcome back, uh, folks, for the latest edition of the Run Local podcast. My name is Josh Muxon, and I have the luxury of doing this podcast uh, without our wonderful uh, leader and founder, JT Service, who's off celebrating his birthday. So, of course, with the freedom that comes with uh, the, the microphone and the recording button, uh, what I thought we would do is respond to some requests that we had to learn a little bit more about a wonderful event that uh, that Run Local put together a little bit earlier in the year around the 4th of July. And if you hadn't had a chance to see it, uh, what I'm referring to is the Beer Mile World Classic, well, which was hosted right here on uh, the Run Local um, website and you can check some of that out go back in, in time and, and take a look and see all the wonderful coverage of that um, but a lot of questions came in about well why what is uh, the beer mile how did it get started uh, what uh, what's behind it uh, who started to create this wonderful event and i thought it would be fun to bring on two of the key uh, individuals who helped the beer mile uh, be, become what it is um, and that's uh, Nick McFalls and the wonderful John Markle. So welcome, fellas. Welcome to the show. Good to have you here. Hey, Max. Hey, Max. Good to be here. So with that, uh, what we'd like to do when we dive into the Run Local Pod is to give you both a chance to you know, make a quick introduction uh, for yourselves, uh, tell the folks who you are, what you do, how you came into you know, find yourself on this wonderful, fantastic show. Um, so Nick, uh, a quick uh, quick introduction from you. Uh, tell uh, our wonderful listeners a little bit about uh, the story behind Nick McFalls. Well, I'll t- I can talk about the running part at least. You know, I grew up in uh, Western Pennsylvania and, uh, uh, you know, went to high school in uh, Lebanon, Lebanon, PA and uh, was uh, kind of got out of there. I, um, was uh, fortunate enough to go to the Air Force Academy and run, and uh, that opened up so many doors for me athletically and personally. Like one of the best decisions I ever made was, uh, you know, going to the academy. And when I graduated, I was, went to the World Class Athlete Program. I was in the first class of athletes. Uh, the Army had a program, and the Air Force felt they needed one as well. And uh, that basically extended my running career another ten years. And you know, from there, I went um, my I went to Eugene, Oregon, my first year in WCAP, and then I was stationed in LA, ran at Santa Monica Track Club with uh, Joe Douglas. I was the, like, uh, Christian Cushing Murray was another miler, and we overlapped for like three months. And yeah. then um, I was the only distance runner there uh, for a did while. You have to, Nick, did you have to wear a speed suit where you, where, when I, you were at Santa Monica? You know, that speed suit comes out every once in a while, and uh, I fill it out pretty well. <laughs> but I, I never had the courage to wear it in public because it's it's pretty revealing. And uh, um but, uh, you know, as part of like, uh, we inherited all these uniforms that Carl Lewis kind of developed. And uh, I was actually going through, we just, um, you know, up in Tahoe and I was going through some old stuff. I moved from, uh, moved it up from San Francisco and there was like a clothing line uh, that uh, Carl, uh, you know, Santa Monica uh, launched a clothing line in Saks Fifth Avenue, uh, you know, and uh, I was one of the models. And one of the reasons it probably went out of business. <laughs> and this is the whole reason why Nick's off camera for the, for this episode. Yeah. So. <laughs> A face for radio. So, uh, that's right. That's right. But, um, uh, I, I met you like um, when I left Santa Monica. I, um, I left, you know, got out of the Air Force briefly for a little while and came up and ran with ran, ran with the farm team and ran under Vin and Gags and Jack Daniels and uh, that was really, uh, uh, you know, it was like Jack Daniels was like kind of the Rosetta Stone. That was the last. He was the last coach I had when I was on the farm team, and it was kind of like. Uh, you know, just translating all the training that I had done and as a miler over the years, um, whether it be with like uh, guys like Mark Stanford that I had in college or Joe Douglas, which was like a, under the old Hungarian system, uh, Vin, which is, you know, very uh, somewhat influenced by Daniels and Gags, which is, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, I don't know how he gets results. He just does. So um, that, that was kind of like in uh one of the things like I would pop in and out of the WCAP program, I started putting on races and, you know, the first thing was running of the bulls. And that, that was kind of like my introduction into volunteer race production and yep. just the career that I'm in now. And, uh, but uh, we used to have all the, we had such talent at the farm team and we would dress up um, the, uh, our athletes. It was a way to showcase the athletes that we had. We would dress them up as cows and bull, uh, cows and bulls and they would chase people like regular citizens. Uh, I was so, I was yeah. in one of those bowls, Nick. Yeah, I mean sometimes we had lesser athletes as well. I know, and, uh, and you, th- you threw me uh, a bone. 
Yeah, I have to, I have a bunch of like uh, pictures. This is like before you put everything on Facebook. I'm off to send you some, but yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things that I got to do as an activist was like uh, get the uh, Armed Forces Championship as part of the U.S. Championship because we had to make a decision as athletes um, w whether to run one or the other and putting in both allowed us to make selections for the SISM team, which is the World Military Games. Yep. Oh, and if you ran really well, which is part of why you have a WCAP to run in the uh, World Championships. And we've had it now, like with the Army athletes, we're, we're, you know, there's always people making the, the World Games. And, you know, so like a lot yeah. of our world teams are Army athletes now. And I wish there were more Air Force athletes, but it's just set up a little bit differently, the programs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm hearing you, you kind of, you basically are taking credit for Paul Chalimo's silver medal in, uh, in 2016. Is that right? No, not at all. But if he had run in the world, you know, like um, I, I do like one of the things that like uh, the, the first time that bear bore fruit was when uh, Sandu Rubinchek made a world oh, team yeah. in 2003 or, two, you know, like the early 2000s. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Old steeplechase yeah, like, guy. Great dude. Great really dude. great guy. You know, he yeah. was um, a Romanian athlete and he um, defected, uh, joined the army, um, won a couple of division three titles um, at Augustana, like a great guy, great story, and still a great runner, still plugging along as a 50 plus year old runner, so. Yeah, yeah. So Nick, that brings us to, I, I mean, I think that kind of is where our stories start to collide here. Um, so you've been producing events, uh, kind of like getting into it and you know, doing the running of the bulls, and then you got into some bigger events, and I know you did worked on a number of different, um, like actually huge events, uh, kind of a, um, in the Bay Area and, and, and a little bit beyond. I know you did some work over in Nashville and, and, and down in, the, I guess, the San Diego area, um, obviously in San Francisco. But one of the things that, that you uh, had always talked about is putting together like a, more of like a festival atmosphere rather than just this idea of, of, a, of a running race. Like the event was more important than the, than, than the race in, in one of the visions that you had laid out to me. Now, I don't know if you remember having any of those conversations before, but um, that certainly well, brings us a lot of years in us. So I, I yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I guess it brings us to, um, it brings us to John's story here as well. And Nick, we're going to come back to yours and talk about how these kind of converge a little bit here. But John, um, you, uh, by all means, are, are kind of known as the, the, the godfather of the beer mile. Um, whether that is something that you endorse or whether it, you know, you can't really turn that down. Um, so with that must come some uh, interesting backstory. And I know folks would love to hear a little bit about sort of your involvement with both running and with, with the beer mile. And then we'll bring it together with the, how you and Nick, uh, you know, came to be this, uh, this dynamic duo. All right. Well, thanks for having us on. I, I, uh, I do not endorse the Godfather because the implication there is that I'm an old man, an old wise man, and I'm neither of those things. Uh huh. Sure. So, but um, <laughs> but I was I was privy to some of the early goings of the beer mile. I um. So I grew up in uh, just outside of a town called Cornwall, Ontario, in eastern Canada. Uh, I went to university. Uh, and did as geeky a program as one can do, which was a combination of engineering and math together, and also ran for Queens's um, cross-country and track teams. Um, along the way, met a lot of guys that uh, did uh, did a number of of things related to running, and and uh, one of them was the beer mile. So. Um, to be clear, I, I some people are like, oh, you're one of the founders. I, I wouldn't, I definitely would not say that at all. Um, the way, you know, my my. Let me come back to that in a second. But you know, I ran for a team that had a bunch of guys that were there at the very beginning, and then I graduated from Queens and moved all over the place. Uh, unlike Nick, I, I kind of stopped running um, a couple of years after undergrad because. Well, I worked about 90 hours a week um, and ate pizza. And that'll, that'll do it. So, yeah, working in New York and London and Toronto and San Francisco. And then uh, moved back to San Francisco in 2007 and kind of rejoined the running club that I ran for in the late 90s when I first moved out here. And I'd run with the club for a year, which is uh, West Valley Track Club. So... Um, in the late 90s, we brought up the concept of doing a beer mile and it just sort of petered out or whatever. But um, when I returned in 2007, I 
joined the club, sort of dusted off the running shoes. Uh, a couple of people said, hey, who's that fat guy? And <laughs> thankfully, Todd Rose said, oh, give him a couple months. Uh, he'll be kicking your ass. I still owe Todd for that. Um, but um, my wife, bless her heart, she's like, oh, you should go back running with your friends again. I'm like, ah, maybe I'll go to a workout. And I did the workout. And of course, I was nowhere near anyone else in the workout. But uh, bit by bit, I sort of got back into it. And that's when I met Nick. Um, and after I thought, okay, maybe I can race. Um, and this is where I met you. It was, you know, a bunch of my teammates were running beta breakers and, and, uh, I hadn't raced and I'm like, well, I think I, I can run the seated or whatever the seated or elite standard is, but I, I don't have a race. So I, I emailed you. I think you were the, like the elite coordinator for beta breakers or something. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, Hey, you know, Jamie Gifford, he's a teammate of mine. I'm, I'm about as fast as he is right now, or maybe a little slower or whatever. And you're like, Oh, if you can run with Jamie, you're in. And, and then that was, then, uh, High standards, man. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, that was, that was it. And, and meanwhile, we at West Valley thought, well, we talked about the beer mile a number of years ago. Why don't we do a West Valley summer classic? And, this is probably a good segue into the, the beer mile itself and, and where the classic came from and all that kind of stuff. But um, when I was at Queens, I started at Queens in 1992 and, and there were a number of, um, I was one of like two um, first year, or what do you call it here? Uh, freshman students on the team. And um, part of the deal was at the end of cross country season, you have to do a beer mile. I'm like, what the heck is that? Well, it's it's not a big deal. You chug four beers, run four laps, and you do it as fast as you can. I'm like, oh no, I can, you know, after three beers, you got to put me to bed. That I'm I'm <laughs> in trouble. Right, right. Oh, so one of the elder statesmen of the group, a guy named Rob Ald, um, who's now like a private equity guy in Toronto, uh, Dan Mitchelluck, who's a labor lawyer in Toronto, uh, Al Prebaz, so all these sort of. Um, elders of the team said, oh, well, I'll do it. Now, Rob was there for the, what people I think collectively refer to as the very first beer mile, which was in 19, uh, late 1989 in Burlington, Ontario. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that was like the first race. Now, there's stories and whatever. I, I wasn't, I, I don't know all those details, but that, that's what I think Rob and, and that Dan would cite as sort of the first race. Well, those guys had since ported it to Queens and Queens became kind of the de facto organizers of a number of these underground races among the Canadian universities. And, and, and Queens is that just so folks are, folks are unaware of the Canadian university system. Queens is, is, the university um, that you went to, right? But there yeah. was a number of them that are kind of like, like not, they were not necessarily in the conference, but close to each other, right? Uh, well, Qu Queens was in Kingston, Ontario, and about uh, which is which is probably midway between Toronto and Montreal along okay. the main highway. And by midway, I mean like a three-hour drive to Toronto, maybe three-hour drive to Montreal. That Super kind of close thing. in Canadian terms. Got it. Got yeah, in, that, in, in the most, you know, the, 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 the most populated area of Canada. So um, that's when we started doing it. Now I can get into as much detail, as little detail as you want, but that, that's my quick background. Yeah, which is, which is crazy. So my introduction, and, and again, if folks aren't familiar with the beer mile, like Nick, give us the rundown on how you would describe a beer mile to, to folks who, who've never even heard of it. Yeah, that, that, that's a tough question. Um, it's basically, uh, you know, for a beginner, it's maybe one of the most painful races that you might run if you don't know what you're expecting. Because uh, like, I was everybody, dude. Miler, but I'm a terrible beer miler. Like I like the uh, my ability to like stop and chug. Like I need oxygen. Like I love processes processing oxygen, and the beer mile, you know, really disrupts that. So it's it's almost like there's two different parts to it it's all i would almost compare it to a biathlon where you're you're stopping and shooting um For like sure. you're cross-country skiing and then you're stopping and shooting um you really have to get calm in the chug zone um but like some like 
it, I've never been able to become a good beer miler. Like, uh, it's just not, not, a, it's not in my talent zone. Like, uh, but, being able but to at, the, at the base level, it's, mm -hmm. you drink a beer, run a 400 meter lap, drink a beer, run a 400 meter lap, drink a beer, run a 400 meter lap. Yeah, drink exactly. Beer, yeah. One mile, right? One beer per lap. And, right. and if you, and, and if you, uh, happen to kind of lose your, lose your cookies or throw up, um, it's a, it's a penalty lap. No, right. no penalty. And, and, you know, and like, I think that's a, almost a better question for John because he was there when those rules were written, yeah. but I think they're great rules, right? Like, I mean, they, they thought it's almost like, um, like the, the constitution, right. Where they, they like, did they think of everything? Did like, I, and they almost, they really did like, um, you know, like, well, well, why can't you like put, uh, why can't you shotgun beer or what, you know, what happens if you yep. throw up or like the, the thing, the newer rules that kind of happened when we started doing these publicly were, was the four ounce rule. And, th and that really came from the athletes, not, not from us. Like what's a fair amount, like, because you, you know, when, in John, when John started it and like John's crew that, you know, they were pouring it over their head just to kind of prove there wasn't, yeah, an yeah, yeah. but there needed to be some kind of like standard there. And I think that that's like the, like the 2.0 rules that kind of evolved. And I think like guys like Lewis Kent and Corey Gallagher were, were really like the guys that were kind of behind that because they were the best guys, you know, at the time. When, yep. you know, when yeah. Yeah. And to bring that back in what, what he's talking about in terms of like the four ounce rule, what Nick's referring to is like the remaining foam or liquid um, in the four beers cannot exceed four ounces. So it's basically, um, if you have, you've got to finish your beer and yeah. John, I don't know if you know this, but we used to do one, uh, at university at the end of every track season. And, um, yeah. and it ended up being like WSU, Washington state university was right next to us, like eight miles away. So it ended up becoming, we had a winter beer mile classic that they would come over. And so like Bernard Lagat and all of his guys would come over and we'd be on the track. Um, and it was, the, it was the great equalizer. We were horrible compared to them in cross country but like mm -hmm. you know what you guys win the race we'll win the party that sort of thing oh, yeah. um, and so yeah. we'd, we'd run that but we looked it up and and it was back in the early days of the internet right you know you got the dial up and you're sitting around there and you've got yeah you're you're downloading stuff from uh limewire hoping that your computer doesn't melt and all that other good stuff and we stumbled upon the kingston rules yeah and it was on this like it, first of all, it was online, which was amazing, and then it had all these performances on there. It was um, on an FTP site. It was, it, and it was, it was crazy. And for the longest time, we thought the Kingston rules. Those guys in Jamaica are crazy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we thought, and then we were like, why do all these Canadians go down to Jamaica to run this beer mile? I have no idea what's going on. And that just permeated and none of us have ever really questioned it, you know, because you don't question things on the internet. You basically so, just go like, hey, here it is. This is the truth. So how that came about was, um, and, and you'll have to forgive me, I don't remember the exact years. It was either like the winter of 93. Like, so in Canada, there is no, there, there's no summer track with the universities. You, do, you only do indoor track and then school's done at the end of April and you're, you're done. So we used to travel down to meets and I, I can't remember. I mean, I think we went to Kent State and a few other places. And in 93, 93, 94, we used to talk about, oh, hey, we have this event. It's called the Beer Mile. Beer Mile. Sounds crazy. What do you guys do? Oh, you chug it, chug a beer, run a lot, chug a beer. Really? Well, how fast do you do it? Well, Dan does it in five minutes and 50 seconds. Oh, no way. So at some point, one of the guys at one of the U.S. schools said, hey, we're going to challenge you guys in a beer mile. So we thought, well, okay, well, we need to make sure we're running the same race. Right, right. So that's when... Is this a virtual race, John? I guess today you'd call it a virtual race, but there was no... It was just, we're going to run a race and upload our times onto the FTP set or something. It's Al Prebaz, I think had like the site and he used to upload photographs and something, all this a bit fun. We didn't know that this was gonna be, I didn't know that 28 years later, someone would be asking me questions about this stuff. Cause again, I wasn't one of the main guys. I was just this junior dipshit who looked up to these guys, right? So 
I don't remember. Who, there were a bunch of there were a bunch of engineers, right. myself included, on the cross country team. So of course we were all like, well, we need to define the rules. We need to have <laughs> a standard rule set so that we race under. Well, what are the rules going to be? Well, obviously they're going to be the way we race, and we're going to make right, those right. rules that they right. race. So bottles were not allowed on campus. So cans had to be cans. And back then there was no, like these wide mouth cans were brand new, right? So we're like, okay, can't be a wide mouth can, can't be opened. Um, you have to drink in the chug zone, which is the nine meter, like at mile 1,609 meters has to be, you have to drink it all. And to demonstrate that you've drank it all, you have to put the can upside down your head and evidence that nothing's coming out and then you toss it. Yep. It's sort of an honor system thing. And then of course, you know, if you if if you vomit, you're on a penalty lap. And um there's mostly an honor system. So we wrote this down on a piece of paper. I remember we we were at 107 York Street when we wrote it down. And and uh somehow this got to the guys in the US. Oh, well, we obviously sent it to them, but but somehow they spread it a little bit more than we did. They spread it and they named it. They named the rules the Kingston rules. Oh, really? We, okay. We didn't coin the name. The guy, the U.S. I don't know if they're from Kent State or from. Yeah. Uh, I forget the name of the school that Patrick Butler went to. But when we went from FTP to HTTP sites, like that's when Patrick got beermall.com, and then he grabbed the rules and put them there. But this is all like early days like 1994 and and like budweiser was even involved back then which they right never right did. yeah and yeah it had like it had like a budweiser it had like oh, budweiser emblems on it that's like right and it had to be so back then u.s like american beer was like um well there was a joke at the time in canada it's it's what's what what do drinking american beer and and having sex in a canoe have in common they're, they're both fucking near water that that was the there you go that was the that was the thing but i have some really good currency jokes about canada that if, you know so, so so we decided okay it needs to be five percent because most right. of the Canadian beer back then was five percent that was another rule but those guys had coined it the the kingston rules uh, and then, if you, and, and then you there you pass, go yeah modern day with the introduction of the bottle we've had to change things right because and, and, and that was one of the things josh when like you know when we started doing the world classic uh every, you know all of the good beer milers were doing bottles and it was faster and you know that was a big like john and i that was one of the things that john and i kind of went back and forth on i'm like well he's like what's well, bottle it's cans it's cans it's cans and i was like well you know like all of the you know like the real like everyone who's racing right now that wants to race at the world classic is doing bottles and i think mm -hmm. that's that was like one of the hardest decisions i think that you know one of the it wasn't really an argument but it was just like would you want josh harris to come from australia to race nielsen you know this is kind of what where we have to go and you, you know the athletes can kind of make the decision if they want to go bottles or cans and so that was almost one of the you know along with the four ounce rule like kind of deciding how strict we, you know, how, how much of a traditionalist we want to be. You know, when you look at NFL rules, they, they evolved over time. So yeah, like, yeah. you know, as you see things. So like, uh, so, do you, you know, I think there has to be historical rules, but I think like in any sport, when, you know, it's good, things are going to evolve. Yeah. So. And Nick, you know, so you bring up a really interesting point. So we're jumping ahead first. I want to lay it out here for both of you guys that when we used to do it, we used to get kokanee right? Because that was a Canadian beer. Like we knew like we had to do that. Um, but then we decided like, well, that wasn't good enough. So we went with Natty Ice. And so uh -huh. all the beer I've ever done was with, with Natty Ice uh, out of a can, um, which could probably explain why I was terrible at it. But you know, whatever, we, we went, did it. But Nick, what you're referring to um, is a really interesting point. So in the early days, you got john going down to kent state to to run and and preach the gospel of the beer mile um and whatever else you were doing down there john we could not have to get into it um those are kind of the that underground scene. 10 beers in through my whole college you know as a military academy uh in season you know in season most of the time 
I think seven of them are on one night and like, you know, so I had a, a you know, like the beer mile was not something I even knew about until I came to West Valley as a, like a, an almost 40 year old man. <laughs> so like John was my, John and West Valley were my introduction. To that. He, he, the, so the West Valley track club was your gateway drug for this, for yeah, this yeah. whole beer mile thing. Look, and so we get we get into this like this whole this underground scene. And what I realized is that there was there were these like pockets of these kind of going off on the same set of rules that nobody ever really knew was happening. So I'd be doing something, John would be doing doing a race, uh, Nick would be doing a race, uh, and then well maybe not Nick because whatever I don't know how you got through college with only having ten beers, but that's another story for another time. But uh, the the whole idea of it was it kind of came to fruition when you guys got together at uh, at West Valley. And this was around, uh, I think, 2015 or so. And there's something, a ballpark around there or something like that? Does that sound about right? Yeah. Well, you got together before that, right? Yeah. But, yeah. The, but the point I'm getting at is here is like there was, there was a, a pivotal moment in beer miling history um, that – that kind of thrust it back on to, or not back on, but for the first time uh, onto this wider audience, which was uh, James Nielsen running under five minutes for the beer mile for the first mm -hmm. time. And he has video footage of it. And so mm -hmm. this got um, literally millions of views uh, yeah. and a lot of attention for that. And that was, what was that, 2014, 2015? I, I it, was, it was the 60th anniversary of Roger Bannister's four-minute mile, the first okay, song. So, so perfect, perfect. So right on that right on that glorious time of, of breaking four minutes, uh, James goes out and he, and he, in, in some obscure track by himself and runs under five minutes for the, for the beer mile. So now both you come together and say, like, look, this is a really great opportunity, and I'm putting words in your mouth intentionally. Maybe we can, you know, get you to, the, to this idea where – where you got all of these, you started to see these things pop up all around the world. And you thought, well, let's just bring it all together in, uh, in San Francisco. And when well, you're talking about, John, when you talk about the rule stuff, one of the interesting things about that is like, I was there for that. Not only I was there, ESPN was there uh, yeah. when you guys were talking about some of the rules. So bring us up to that moment, which is the night before the Beer Mile World Classic set to go off on, on Treasure Island. Like, how did that actually get to that point? There were two. There's two parts to that. I think there's the part that Nick and I know, and the part that that the world, whatever everyone knows. One was that we had been having um, these underground beer miles for years, and and hence the name Beer Mile World Classic. What happened was back when I was at Queens, Dan and Al would host the, these races, and they'd call them the Kingston Classic or the you know, the Kingston Summer Classic. So then West Valley adopted that. And West Valley would have the West Valley Winter Classic and the Summer Classic. And during this, during that time, like, so I knew, like, Jim Finlayson. I raced against Jim in, in high school and stuff. And, and Jim Jim had run, like, 509 out of cans. And and um, Jim's world-class runner. Like, so we had, I had been in touch with Jim saying, hey, we need to fly you down here. And we'll have yep. kind of a world championships of sorts. This was like in 2010 or 11, we were talking about it. Okay, okay. And then, of course, we heard about Josh Harris and a few other folks. And, and then Josh when, Harris, Josh Harris, if folks don't know, Josh Harris is uh, an Australian beer mile legend. And I think he's in, uh, is he in, uh, where, where is he? Is he? Tasmania. Hobart, Hobart right? Or somewhere around there? Launceston, Tasmania. Okay, there you go. Okay. Yeah. So, like we had talked about this concept of a world champs for for years because over the years we had developed relationships with some of these athletes yeah. online oh hey what did you run what did you run what did you because we'd post this west valley stuff and then when james who coincidentally was also in our running circle ran uh the 457 it kind of catapulted the beer mile out of out of the basement and up in to daylight with a few people and that's when we thought now is when we should have because this of course brought out all the pundits right oh he didn't run he didn't finish the cannon yeah okay let's have a race right and, right and right think, right and that skepticism was it is great when you're you know when you're launching a new event like you know it um any type of controversy um for a public event like this you know it's kind of like a prize fight 
in a sense where uh you know like there's all these people that have done beer miles and and there and there was like this kind of silent race between josh harris and james nielsen to go under five minutes because i mean josh was getting pretty close he had run like 502 at the time yeah but i think like james's race came so out i mean no one expected it no like you know it wasn't it wasn't josh and james like james had never run james ran the 457 he'd never been under 510 it was like it was mainly josh harris and like Jim Finley's famous did, you know, he'd run 509. Like there, like there weren't many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and full disclosure on this is like, so James Nielsen was teammates of Nick and and, my, and myself uh, on the on the farm team. Yeah, and, yeah. We had I had a fourth. We, you know, my house, like my team house, used to have parties all the time. And I remember just Nielsen crushing beers like at one of our Fourth of July parties. It was like postseason. It was like after uh, U.S. Nationals, and it it. Like I, Crompton. I, yeah, Crompton, yeah, like uh, where where the world's best runners come to party, so. <laughs> so, so just um, so Max, just getting to the 2015 thing. So in yeah, yeah. in May 2014, um, Nick and I were like, well, let's now's the time to do this. So this is when we thought well, we know all the athletes that do this. We should we should do something, and that's when we reached out to Flow Track and said, hey, we have this idea. Here's the idea. And we should do it in San Francisco because there's a running community. They said, no, let's do it in Austin because we have a community there. And, oh, well, let's talk next week. And and then they announced, oh, they're hosting the first in first Beer Mile World Champ 2014. So we're like, oh, that was nice of them. So, yep. well, we had a meet, we had a call with them and like uh, right before the call, like the, they had announced it and we're like, hey, what's this? what's this about you announcing a world championship in Austin, Texas? When yeah. After we, after we get the call, kind of further that discussion. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, 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 so fast that... forward the, the, the almost year, um, what Nick and I had learned um, in the nine months that followed and, and flow track learned and was kind of humiliated. Um, they planned too fast and didn't do the legwork is it's really hard to procure a track where you 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 do it properly by the book with insurance legally all these things to say hey we're producing a beer mile yeah. oh that sounds fun what's involved well let, let me explain to you the event and then usually usually the initial reaction is and there's a lot of superlatives but usually it's are you crazy yeah yeah, yeah, so, yeah, which is why it was underground for so long, right? Like yeah. it was like well, that was another big piece of it. But I, I would say the cheapest thing to uh, uh, put together is an underground beer miler. The most expensive thing to put together is an above board permitted uh, with government approval beer mile. And so, yeah. like doing it the right way is is really hard. And so um it just it, you know it's just really hard to have like a government agency say, say yeah this is a good idea yeah why or, don't you do it on do it on school property no problem yeah yeah, yeah. like um right after call, the, the parent teacher conferences nick how many <laughs> tracks did you call in early 2015 or late 2014 like pretty much every single one in the bay area that you know and so and and you know we we couldn't find one in the bay area um because it, you know, like when you look at a, a track and field facility, it's either owned uh, by a college or a high school or a middle school, and it's not so. That's not the kind of event that they that they want to have on their. Sure. Practice. Yeah. It's yeah. Just not sure. A, I mean, how do you how do you um, explain that to an angry parent? It's kind of hard. Yeah, I just give them a free entry. Yeah. You know, have them toe the line, experience the fun. Yeah. That's what. This this is where the idea came from to have the lawn festival on treasure island yeah 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 so this is 20 again well, we had, josh we had a, a guarantee we were supposed to do it at pier 7 we couldn't find a track so we were going to do it at pier 70 which is right downtown oh and, really and so like it, the contract was lagging and the guy and the you know our contact there was like look you're set like um you have my word like you have my honor that like you, you know you're, you're totally set nothing's good we we have final approval and then um, it went on ESPN. Give me a it, contract. Yeah, yeah. Give us a contract. Uh, we yeah, want it in writing. Yeah. Well, it's coming, it's coming. We want it in writing. It's coming, it's coming. Want it in writing. Well, you won't believe what happened. 
Yeah. You, you and, were and like, no, well, actually, I do. I do believe what happened. Yeah, and an article ran in the Chronicle, and within three hours of the morning paper, we were the guy's like, why didn't you tell me this? Why didn't you tell me that? Why didn't you? I was like, I told you everything. Like, we were nothing but forthcoming of what, what you were signing up for. And, like, he's like, you didn't tell me that the police said no. And I'm like, actually, the police said yes. They were the ones who referred us to your venue. And so, like, he was like, uh-oh. Like, you know, I really – I kind of screwed you guys and so like he kind of gave us he's like try treasure island and like we kind of ran with that but that was like one of the worst days in the beer mile because we finally found a place that was willing to take us you know and, and it had taken a year basically to get some place to say yeah we'll, we'll host you and then to have that pulled out was really traumatic um you know and it, and it would have been we had a lot of people we had 1500 people come to treasure island but i think we would have had like five six seven thousand um yeah, yeah. And, and and Nick, this was like this is this is the I think well, for both of you I think this is a really interesting thing. Like San Francisco does a great job of having these kind of quirky, interesting uh, festivals all the time. So this is like prime spot for a beer you mile. Think, but they you would think, think they they yeah. would they you know like what they weigh everything against is beta breakers, which you know it's it's like a golden handcuff for the city of San Francisco because it's a cultural event but it tears up the city and what they really, you know, what, like, and that's not what we are, you know, um, but that's what they feared. And that was the big fear in San Francisco. And, and no one is, is, is more understanding of that position than I am having, having, you know, had a small hand in, in doing some beer mile stuff, but a large part in doing some beta breaker stuff. Yeah. But uh, on the positive side, like getting back to this idea is like, so you get a venue and you're on treasure Island. Right? Mm -hmm. And Treasure Island has these beautiful views of San Francisco. You mm -hmm. know, it's and and it turns out that the actual course is pretty dang good. Like it's it's not it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, well, it's it's we had it measured by Tom Knight, who uh, you know he yeah. took away Salazar's marathon record. Uh, yep. You know, measured the Olympic marathon, and you know when you look at flow tracks race, one of the things that like you know probably i'm responsible for is looking at that course and saying like well wait your chug zone was 20 meters you know you're 10 meters too long uh you weren't measuring the tangents no wonder people ran so fast on what should have been you know there's like eight turns in that course it should have been slow like ours wasn't yeah. Richard island was slow because of the wind and there was some grass in there there was no reason that you know when we looked at it uh i was sitting with Murhawi kafleski in the middle midfield and we we're like this is short i don't know what's wrong I time should not be this fast no. So the the race he's referring to, Mux, is um, in 2015, in December 2015, FlowTrack hosted their yep. World Championships. I actually ran in that race with yep. with Lu like Lewis won and he ran 4:47. And Lewis, after the race, he's like, I didn't think I had a 4:47 in me because Lewis's PR at the time was 4:52, maybe. Yeah, and no one's yeah. run as you know. No one, everyone has that. Like a lot of people have their because PRs. Also, that race, yeah. the final turn, you actually had to do more than a ninety. Like it was, and it was a negative bank, so you yeah. fell away from the turn, and it was wet. So I, I just like I don't know how anybody could have run that fast. Yeah. And we spoke about it after the race. We're like, man, you, you got like you must have had a heck of a race. Um, but yeah, sure enough, it was short. So even that aside, like, and getting back to what you said earlier, Nick, about this, this level of, uh, if there's a little bit of, sometimes a little bit of tension isn't necessarily a bad thing for the sport yeah. as a whole. Having so involved in this was great for us from, you know, like, I think it was yeah. great for, you know, they had, they have a, so, go ahead, Josh, Josh. Oh, so going into, I, I was saying like, so going into 20, uh, going into 2015, um, one of the things that going into the world classic on Treasure Island uh, one of the things you have all this attention and you have now Lewis Kent who has run, you know, 447 uh, or, or what, uh, well, you know, that's supposedly. Really, uh, that was, uh, that, that happened after two weeks before one of the greatest days in the beer mile, like uh, uh, happened for us. Um, we woke up that morning and Josh Harris had broken, had broken Nielsen's world record. He had run 456. 456. And then, but before we went to sleep that night, Lewis Ken had broken the world record and had run 455. So yeah. now we have three guys under five minutes. And uh, we called it the beer mile of the century because, you know, just as Nielsen was the first under five minutes, this was the first time 
the first three guys under five minutes were competing against each other. And, right. uh, in, you know, and we were able to bring that together and, and a little bit of luck there, you know, and you need the athletes to kind of have those performances. But it was, yep. it was like that two weeks before was like, man, this is crazy. This is going to be insane. Yeah. And then so ESPN gets involved. ESPN comes out to cover the race. And we're sitting, John, we're sitting in your kitchen uh, with all the athletes talking about, okay, what are we going to, oh, how, how are we going to measure some of these events and how are we going to, how are we going to, how are we, I think that was right around the time when the, like the four ounce rule, um, yeah, so kind of was solidified happened, by the athletes, right? Like it was for the athletes by the athletes, and yeah. ESPN was there covering this, going like, "What in the hell have I got into? What well, this is amazing." So ESPN decided to cover it after one of the reporters did a survey and surveyed eight thousand three hundred people, and said, "Just just random ESPN website user type people." said, what would you rather watch, a world record in the mile or a world record in the beer mile? And 80-something percent said a world record in the beer mile. <laughs> we're like, really? Okay, let's go with it. But yep. so, they, they, were, they had uh, were internally had committed, uh, like our reporter Greg Garber told us, like $150,000, right? But there were yeah. some other forces at play, like two weeks before, right? We've finally gotten through all of the permitting stuff. We finally have everything set. We've announced that we're going to, you know, like uh, be on ESPN. And then they're like, uh, I get an email from Greg Garber and it's like, we're out. And ESPN had laid off a lot of people like, they're, you know, cable, cable sports relies heavily on, um, you know, you know, uh, advertising and NFL contracts and NBA contracts. And they had kind of overcommitted um, and they were pulling out altogether. And we were like, look, uh, if you can come out. Uh, we'll be, we have a film crew and you can use our footage. And so here's John then, and I subsidizing just... fucking ESPN. And that's how we got it. And that's like, I mean, it, it almost fell through, but you know, well, we, we used I, a couple of future human. Yeah, go ahead, John. Yeah. I've just, I've since learned, I advise companies and negotiate for a living. I, I think I've since learned that this is just the way these companies operate. Like, oh, we're good. We're Big budget, we're all set. Oh, yeah. Um, this was real, John. They they laid off a lot of people. Can we get something for free from you? And yeah. we're like, whatever, fine. Cover it, don't cover it. We don't give a shit. Um, all the so, dudes, all the dudes are on their way. Like everybody's on their way, right? Yeah. Like it's gonna yeah, happen. So, so you got, you've got Canada, you've got U.S., you've got yeah. Australia. Like who else came out for that? Did you have that England? That first year, 2015. It was it was just the three nations. Yep, three nations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then um, yeah. So so just going back to your point of like, where did the four ounces come from? So one of the people that came for that first beer mile world classic was Dan Michalak. Dan was the first world record holder, I guess you could say. Um. And somebody that wanted to detach himself from the beer mob because he's, he's a labor lawyer and he, he didn't want, he, he was worried about the stereotype of, oh, this guy's a really good beer mob. Is, you know, does he drink too much, whatever, to be associated with his job? I think the world has since moved on from that, so he's fine. Um, but he came out and Dan's a fast jogger. So what he decided was, well, because a lot of the younger guys, said, well, we're gonna do it out of a bottle, but the problem is when you drink so fast, like most of us who drink out of a bottle, not like I've converted to bottles, you chuck faster, depending on the angle of pour or whatever, there's foam that just stays in the bottle because you're done drinking the right, foam. Right. So how much foam collects is a question of, you know, how shape of the bottle, all that kind of stuff. Um, so Dan said, well, I'll just take a can, I'll chug a can, as fast as I can, and when I'm done drinking, I'll just put the can down, then we'll wait, and then we'll pour it and see how much is left over. And that's what Dan did, and there was about an ounce left over. Yeah, Okay. and I think like as a predicate, I think Flowtrack had a similar rule when they did theirs too, but I think this they kind had of- You add time, which is, no. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, we called it the Treaty of Kent instead of the Treaty of Ghent, uh, of like bringing <laughs> all the best beer milers in the world together. Um, you know, so 
Well, because Lewis really wanted to use bottles. Yeah. Lewis, yeah, and so did Josh. And, you know, the only real can proponent um, was probably maybe Finlayson, but I think he raced with bottles. Oh, and, Jim didn't care. Jim, yeah. Jim can drink out of a shoe and do well. Yeah. So, so they got, so you guys get this all sorted out. We show up to, uh, we show up to um, Treasure Island, and JT and I actually announced the event, and we had oh, yeah. no idea what we what we were getting into. Like we knew a couple of things, and we wrote a couple of things down for the intros. And I gotta say, it was one of the the most enjoyable, if not the the most enjoyable, probably was, uh, event that I've ever announced. And it was just fun because people were there to just kind of enjoy the spectacle of everything. And it was a thing where you kind of get, you you realize that the sporting event, the the elite status was was great because other people could participate in in the event leading into it. So they get a chance, like running in general, where you tow the line next to uh, uh, Bekele or Chipkoge or, or whomever it is, and you run the same distance and you do the same thing. But you got a chance to do the same beer mile. And yeah, there were running the Bulls 5K, Josh. Yeah, there's yeah, similar. There's like reversal of fortunes and all yeah. those different things. And people stuck around to watch all that. Yeah, and so there's 1,500 people the screaming and yelling. Of uh, in beer mile history with the chunder from down under. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. You're, I mean, that was I, I, standard of uh, of world classic uh, elite beer mile chundering. So that was the one preparation that I did is I, I listed out um, both as many different uh, regional specific um, vomit references as I could. And I had those. those the, oh, that's the only preparation that I did. Um, and everything else was just, uh, just off the cuff. And well, the, the chunder from down under was the one thing that I did not write down. Um, so that was, that was something that came, that came in the moment, but I had this whole laundry list of things. It's good. Uh, like vomiting in elite beer mile races is a rare. It is. I was so excited. It was so great. Oh man. It was so great. Um, and so the race goes off and if folks haven't, uh, if they were unfamiliar with the race, um, Lewis Kent goes out there and he, and he asserts his dominance and, and he wins, uh, he wins the title on the men's side. Um, but on the other side of the equation is you've got two other components, um, which I think are, we, we have to talk about the one, the big component is the women's race where the, the women, um, are in, are in the event and they're running fantastic times as well. And, I, and it, it seems like that is something where they have started to uh, they start to be more involved, and you start to see this evolution of the sport all over again, with more women being being involved in the sport. Um, and I want to get you guys' take on on you know kind of like uh, it was easy to recruit the guys, I'm sure, just saying like, hey, we're going to do all the beer milers here. But you know, getting women to to participate in the event, um, mm -hmm. tell me about a bit about that process to get them to get them um, to be able to you know, toe the line and get going. Yeah, it, it's, it's always a challenge. Um, there's less women that are interested in the, in, in it, first of all. Um, and, uh, you know, I think our, the women that participate in the beer mile sometimes have a lot more going on in their lives that they have to juggle than our men. Um, I think the men will drop like, in, for the most part, be able to drop everything to do it. But I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> I would say our women's lives, um, tend to be, uh, you know, like a little more balanced. Uh, so that that's kind of the challenge is like, if, you know, we, like they have to really feel that they're ready to race and that it's worth uh, giving up uh, a weekend for us and around a lot of like, um, you know, just a, a lot of uh, tipsy uh, runner dudes. So, you know, so it, that's yeah. well, one of the things, Nick, it, 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 that, that stood out to me is that the fact that you, you guys put together this sort of, uh, this is more of a of a team aspect to it as well, where people could feel like they weren't individuals participating in some weird, uh, random, underground yeah. event, but they were part of it. They were part of a team. Right. And yeah. tell, tell tell us a little bit about that kind of that that side of the story. Well, and I think that's one of the things John and I discussed early on. And, uh, we had to kind of differentiate differentiate ourselves from like you know Flowtrack had beat us to the market, um, so 
uh, I've always felt like, you know, I've been on a team my whole life. And I think that that team aspect uh, creates bonds and uh, uh, commitment that just being an individual doesn't. Also, like having got my ass kicked in a lot of races, you, you understand that only one person can win the race. Right. Um, but if there's a second reason to show up, to feel like, to, to, to wear the colors of your country, even if it's just for a beer mile, um, really uh, has value to a lot of people to say that I'm part of the US or the Canadian or the English or the, you know, the Swedish beer mile team. Th those are really important things for people. It's something that when you're done with sport, uh, you can say that, hey, I was on a national team. It was a beer mile national team, you know, but it, you know, it was meaningful to me and it was an opportunity that I had. I took advantage of it and I got to travel the world to run and drink beer. And I think that's, that's really important. And that's what I saw as like the thing that motivated me just to be able to travel and run and be with friends and good people. That's the thing that really creates a culture. Yeah. And, and, and John, I, I want you to weigh on in this too, because the one thing that, 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 you know, you've both created is it, the event right, has its backstory and it's kind of like evolved. But the one thing you have created is this unique environment for folks from all across the world to be connected to something that they enjoy. And that's either running, beer, or both. Um, so, okay. yeah, to, I mean, I don't know about you, but if there's anything to be proud of in this whole thing, and, you know, I'm stretching to figure out what that is uh, on occasion, but, um, you know, jokes aside it is the community it's this unique opportunity to folks to say like yeah i've run a beer mile how cool is that yeah yeah you know um and and so, and now tell us tell us a little bit about the scope of where it is now like where's the beer mile now so if i can if i can just like play into that what you just sure. said a yeah. little mux like um i didn't we didn't have expectations it was more of oh let's just see we'll have a race in 15 oh we'll do it in 16 why we kind of moved it to Europe as a whole, it's so much easier to get a track there where you can have open container lots. Um, but when we kind of got Europe on board, what that did was, I mean, US and in Canada, in England, Scotland, Sweden, now Germany, Norway, um, I'm sure I'm forgetting places, Australia, they actually have like team tryouts like you have to be at a certain speed. Okay, you've made the team. Okay, you're traveling to Berlin for the race. And what that's done, like any track, guess what? You you know, if there's if there's five people on a team, you kind of see the same three people every year at least. And then the, the one guy gets too old and he cycles out, and the new like we're starting to see that. But what what I find particularly rewarding, especially if I look at like if I take Canada for example. Um, there, there's, there's a couple athletes in Canada who now I've known from the age of like 20 through 25 or 26 now, yeah. where these guys have used the beer mile, met people like Jim Finlayson and Nick and everything, and they've become really damn good runners in their own right. Right, right, right. Corey Belmore has an Adidas sponsorship because of the beer mile. Phil Promigas just made the Canadian national team for the world half marathon. Champ. I know, I know. And he like, was, he was like, he was like third dude on the, on the beer mile team. And now he's, he's stepped up his running. Like, I mean, it's, it's awesome. So, so yeah, a lot of it, like, folks. I'll start, sorry, John. like it, it just, I can't help but feel like we're close to a lot of these guys. And we like, it's just, um the community aspect of what it's done for some of these runners just from a confidence building to meeting other people who are kind of not not at that elite level but almost and just requires a bit of work and they exchange like i mean that that kind of happens in the running community anyway but i think it's just it's been really i don't know it's been just really neat because uh, yeah. you, you talk to Corey, talk to Phil, and they're like, yeah, I absolutely credit part of this for, you know, kind of run around today and this sort of thing. And, and that that's cool. That That's that's uh, an unintended benefit of, of what some of these folks have done. Now, you'll always have detractors. Oh, my gosh, they're chugging beer or whatever. You know what? Get over your own issues. Like You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. You don't have to be part of it, yeah. 
do it. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the, in, in Berlin in 2019, last year, it was just really eye-opening for me because I, I, I couldn't race. I had a hamstring issue and I started. And all, so I kind of sat back and watched all these people kind of race, come together, go to, and I just thought, holy shit, there's like 200 people here and they're best friends and they gave up what they were doing and they traveled here on their own dime. And it just, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And, and, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's, it's, it's almost like this, this interesting, and I wasn't there in Berlin. I think the last night I was there and was a couple of years ago in, in London yeah. and, and which was amazing. And you get to see, all these folks uh, from the previous year, you're like, oh yeah, hey, there's Laura Richards and she's back and you know doing her thing and like, how's it going? All, I mean, just all these different things. Or Allie Grace Morgan, who's got, who's been coaching and you know spending yeah. a little bit of her summer, uh, just because it's a it's a it's a it's a fun it's a fun community, um, and and you know I think of that, and looking a little bit towards the future, maybe this is the the, the last question I'll have for you you guys and and. And where now at a, where do you want a, this event to go? Like, what's the, I know you don't really have a vision for it, but what, you know, where do you want to lean in? Where's one of those things where you want to say like, yeah, you know, this is, this would be cool if this, this part really worked out. So that's, that's actually pretty easy for me to answer. Um, and, and, you know, Nick has his own thoughts too, of course, but uh, I'm 47. I still love racing and getting mixing it up with these these young Don, clowns and stuff and i will i will say though you don't look a day over 50. so <laughs> you haven't seen me with my hat off yeah no. <laughs> um yeah yeah it, you know it's it's um i think it's it's what i would like to see is just you know a few more beer mile world classics where it, it kind of has its own inertia where one of the young groups, whether it's, I mean, heck, we get inbound emails from like teams in Zimbabwe saying, hey, we want to be involved. I'm not kidding. Like That's we want awesome. to be involved in World Classic. How do we qualify? How do we? So there's clearly kind of this critical mass of, of well, a critical mass of, of racers that want to do it. And I would like to see just some sort of leadership emerge to kind of take over what Nick and I started to just say, okay, next year we're looking at these venues. You know, the short term is, you know, Nick and I are talking to Manchester, England right now for next year. Um, I think Copenhagen fell through. We always have Berlin. Like, so there's, there's been, we're at the point where we have a track record where we can, we have the paperwork and insurance and go, hey, jurisdiction XYZ, here's our package. Yeah. We'd like to host. Here's the, and they're like, oh, okay, sure. Like everything's so getting a track in Europe now, and even certain places in the U.S., it it it's doable. Yeah. So we have kind of this 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 IP that I'd like to just kind of you know give to some 35 year old and go run with it, like just and maybe that's Chris Robertson. He's taken a real liking to kind of get involved and promoting the sport and yep. and and i think i think nobody whether racers producers organizers god bless all the volunteers that like every year before nick and i do something we recruit west valley people saying hey who who wants a trip to berlin or whatever and there's like a whole bunch of hands that go up and go i'll help out what do i need to do yeah, so we right. basically run this organization that really should be sort of a 15 to 20 employee thing all on a voluntary basis. I just want somebody to kind of take the reins and kind of continue doing that. That's yeah, what yeah. I, that's where I'd like to see it. Cause clearly there's interest. Clearly there's, there's, I mean, a lot of these people, they start, emailing Nick and I going, Hey, I've been training. I'm fast or whatever. When's the event? I'm trying to plan my summer vacation. Like around, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like yeah, the, no, that, that makes sense. Right. I mean, it, it, like, it makes sense. Cause we, I, I was talking to a few folks and they're saying like, well, I'm going to add on a little bit of time in, I think it was going to be in Stockholm uh, or there was talk of Stockholm at some yeah, point. We had talked like, about oh, that. 
I'm going to add on a little bit of time before, add on a little bit of time after, and, and run the yeah. beer mile as like the as like the, the the crown jewel of this whole thing. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's cool. I think it's cool. When we think of our community, we would love when people are in a different. Say you're in Australia and you're a beer miler, you call up the people that you know who you've run beer miles with and have a place to stay and vice versa. And, you know, they always have, people always have a place to stay with me and John if they're in the area, of course. But, you know, that's always, you know, building that community aspect and, you know, like, you know, we do have like national teams, but I think there's like one nation and that's, you know, kind of beer mile nation of all these runners from around the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Nick, your, your, big, your big hope for this event is similar to John's yeah. and you want to cont- continue to see this, this, this acceptance yeah, yeah. in this community? I think like one of the things that we balance is like, I never wanted to get too serious because I think that's the end of the mile. Like, I think there always has to be fun. Uh, There has to be a place for individual personalities to kind of come in and, you know, feel that they can be themselves. Uh, You know, when we talk to announcers like you and Travis, uh, we want to give you the freedom to kind of, you know, kind of use, use the beer mile as a campus for your own creativity. But I, I think like when we look at like what's happened with, you know, international athletics and how serious it gets. We never want to be at a point where people feel like they have to cheat to, you know, like it's worth cheating at our event. So like, yeah. we want to balance that. Like we want to have like an honor system and an honor in sport. And I think that's something that's kind of been lost in almost every major sport. And when we, when we've had, a, you know, we've had a transgression in the past where someone's cheated and they're just not invited back. And so I think there has to, I want to see an honor that, you know, and that comes from kind of my military background. Uh, you know, you take it seriously enough that you don't. For being you know, a human being. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, being it's, human being, but, it, but it's hard. And like, you know, you, you know, you never want to see like what happened in international cycling where you feel like you have to cheat to compete. And so, it's basically, you're basically talking about golf here, right? Like, a, like, a, like a, you know, keep your own score. You're drinking on the course, you know, that yeah. sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, and, you know, I just want like um, people to come do their best and, I don't know. I guess it's an idealistic version, you know, because there are a lot of ways to like we can't catch, you know, trying to administer like a chug zone with 40 people. We can't catch everything, you know, but, you know, but we do catch stuff. You know, we do, you know, we uh, do go back and watch, rewatch the films and stuff like that. But there's nothing more chaotic than like 25 people drinking beer within a 10 meter zone and all within six seconds. Like it's 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 crazy. (laughs) So it is it is something something to watch. One thing too that's important for me to share now is I don't want to take away from the athleticism of some of these like just superstar like what Ali Grace Morgan did this year at you know the Run Local Beer Mile World Classic. Um, you know, there's there's always gonna be the what do they call them, the the, the couch potato armchair critic, or whatever. There's always gonna be the, the troll that does that. You know, get out, get off your butt, and try to do it. It's hard to run a six flat beer mile, and seeing Corey Bellmore and Corey Robinson run like, like, or Chris Robinson run like 4:30. I mean, 99% of people can't run a 4, 99.99% 99. of people can't run a 4:30 mile, let alone. So yeah. these are real, real athletic accomplishments that these like these yeah, top yeah. people are doing yeah. and they make it look like, like all top athletes, they make it look so easy, right. That anyone can do it. And it just, it, it chaps my ass and people go, Oh, I could probably do that. No, no yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, like if you, if you, if you understood how many times Nick and I got an inbound email from people or call saying, or we're just, or we're at zeitgeist going, yeah, I could, I could run a five flat beer mile. Sure. Yeah, it's go ahead. Friends. No, like, it used to be our friends, like people that we knew personally, <laughs> that would say that, and then they'd come out and do one. And, and then, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Oh yeah, I could run five twenty. No, you can't, dude. Yeah. No. Well, I, I, I will be the first to tell you that no, I cannot. Um, <laughs> five twenty, six twenty, seven twenty. You know, seven twenty, maybe, maybe. Um, but look, guys, I think the I think the big thing is is that regardless of whether you think you can or you can't, um, the cool thing is is that your 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 doors are open for folks to come out and try, and and I think that's I think that's been a pretty cool that's been a pretty cool thing um, for for the event as a whole. And like I said, if you haven't seen one, 
um, and you want to get a chance chance to you know have a have a taste of what a beer mile is sort of like, um, no pun intended or pun intended, who knows? Uh, go check out runlocalevents.com, uh, and there is a there is the video of the uh, the July fourth um, virtual beer mile championship, which. You know, if you haven't got a, a, enough of, of, of hearing me, uh, you get a chance to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, but more importantly, you get to see some of these athletes um, like Ali Grace Morgan and uh, Josh Harris from Australia and a few other folks uh, that are there and on the video. And it's, it's pretty entertaining. It's great. Um, and uh, the other thing, too, is if uh, you are interested in um, grabbing some um, sweet Beer Mile merch. Uh, it's also available at runlocalevents.com. We got uh, the Beer Mile sweatshirt that I'm wearing. I think John, you got on a you got on a pretty nice uh, nice Beer yeah. Mile shirt there as well. Good work I out there. Yeah, so I need to wear these fancy things. You need to wear the fancy shirt. Uh, so go check that out. Lots of good stuff to um, you know to recover from your Beer Mile in or or train in. That that sweatshirt that you're wearing is high quality. It's my girlfriend's favorite. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. It, it, no, it is. It's great. It's a great sweatshirt. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff out there uh, on the uh, uh, on the the online shop at uh, runlocalevents.com. So, fellas, um, with that, I think we're gonna we're you know we're gonna send you on your way for the rest of the afternoon. Um, John, you're you're almost through your. Uh, well, how far are you along? There, you're you're almost to the end. There it is. There you go. Um, that pretty much concludes the event <laughs> or the podcast right there. <laughs> John's beer is done, so so are we. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, big thanks to uh, Nick and John for coming in and talking about the history, uh, where you want to go with the event, and uh, how uh, folks can can watch a little bit about the the Beer Mile World Classic. So huge thanks, fellas. Uh, really appreciate you making the time today. Um, it's awesome. It's always great to see you, whether we're talking Beer Mile or just talking, to be honest. Always good times. So with that, on behalf of uh, JT Service, who is, as I had mentioned, and is clearly not here, uh, I'm Josh Muxon, and I'm signing off for uh, the Run Local Pod, and we will catch you folks again, uh, again soon. So take care, folks. Hey, thanks, Mux.